How good is it to be back on lives? I haven't been on for a couple of weeks and it has pained me to say that. I am really excited for today, albeit very disorganized, but I think I've just got to accept that that's how I roll now. So <laughs> let's just embrace it. So tonight, for those joining me who can't see on um, Instagram, we are covering all things body composition. So um, after our post on um, really assessing what body composition means and making sure that we're not using it as a performance measurement, we got so much support, which was bloody lovely. So if you're one of those many, many people who shared that post, thank you, because far out, it meant a lot. So thank you. Um, but also those who asked questions because of it, thank you to you as well, because all we're about here is adding curiosity. And if it makes you curious, if it makes you question, then we are really proud of what we're up to. So um, thank you for those people as well. And so that's why I thought we'd better go live because there are a lot of questions and lots of curiosity happening, which is fantastic because I think a lot of the time, the way that we see body composition is probably sold to us a little bit incorrectly. And so if you can go into it with a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more confidence about what it actually means and actually decide if you want to do it, um, then all the power to you guys because um, yeah, I think the questioning of why in all this is really, really important. And there are some times that you do want to measure it. So hopefully you leave tonight's live really, really excited um, and empowered to make the decision that's right for you. Um, and it's going to make you feel like you're about to get the best um, outcome depending on what your goals are. So welcome, I'm seeing everyone jump on. So all things body composition. Oh, hi, thanks for my hubby jumping in on that one. Um, so body composition, what the freaking hell is it, right? So when we're looking at body composition, I think it's just a word that's said now and everyone's just like, well, it's too late to even ask what it bloody well means. I am gonna tell you. So body composition is very different to your scale weight. So when you step on the scales, hopefully not many of you are stepping on the scales too often, if you are, I'm looking at you, stop it. Um, scale weight is influenced by lots and lots of things. So body composition is, oh, sorry, weight is influenced by lots of things. So what the number that you see on the scales isn't telling you what kind of weight you've lost or gained. Uh, it's just giving you a raw number. And sometimes I think we can be really pedantic about something that can change so quickly uh, and by so many different things. So to give you a bit of background, weight is influenced by lots of things. Of course, it can be influenced by losses of body fat or gains of body fat. It can be changed by muscle mass or you know both losses and gains but it can also change substantially through hydration. So it can change depending on what time of day you're doing it, um, how hydrated you are, but also how much training and what training you've been doing. And if you are currently carbo loaded. So if you have done less training and you have loaded your muscles with glycogen, which the more fitter you are, the better your body is doing that, you're going to score, score, store every gram of carbohydrate with three grams of water. And so you are going to weigh heavier some days. For the girls, you are going to store water weight around different points in your menstrual cycle to a point where your weight can change anywhere from two to four kilos depending on the time of the month. So weight, I hope I have justified, is not always all that relevant uh, and not very helpful a lot of the time either. What we then think of is body composition. So body composition is actually measuring your weight 
for some ways of um, measuring body composition depending on which one you are using but it also measures other things so there's a two compartment model where it looks at uh, body fat but you can also get three and four compartment models where it starts to look at other things like um, bone fat free mass water and fat so all these types of things now before I get started on anything the only accurate way to measure body composition is the cadaver method. Now, for anyone who knows what a cadaver means, that means you've got to be dead to actually measure your um, body composition accurately. So let's not hope that on anyone. And now let's work into a conversation that appreciates that it's in an accurate science, but there are better ways to measure it if you do go down the path of wanting to measure. So first of all, let's talk about the why. Sounds terminal, exactly. Yeah, let's not do the cadaver method, guys. And let's just not fast over our body fat percentage that much that we turn to that as a method. So the first considering with the why is really what I do a lot. Uh, I feel like a really irritating person because I am continually wanting to know why. Um, because I think sometimes we can do things without necessarily thinking about whether it's going to benefit us, um, but also if it's going to influence our behavior positively anyway. Um, and so is it necessary? Do I actually need to measure my body composition or know my body composition? And is that going to actually be of benefit? Is it going to change what I was going to do anyway? Is it going to impact me? So, you know, what um, will it change what my goal habits were going to be anyway? Um, and also appreciating, as I've already mentioned, that you're not measuring performance by measuring your body composition. Um, and also considering how are you defining success? So if you're measuring body composition and that is your one goal, then it may be something that you use to define your success. But I don't think many of us go in going wanting to lose weight or reach a body fat percentage for the sake of reaching a number. I think if we really delve into it, that might be what we go in thinking we wanna do, but if we really delve into the why of why we wanna do that, it may be for very different reasons, and it may be things like performance or confidence or um, looks. It may be things like increasing energy and all those types of things. So it's really important that we consider why we wanna change our weight and why we wanna measure our body composition before we go into doing it, because I really don't want any more of our clients saying to us that measuring body composition was the worst decision they've ever made. Because I don't have, like, the, it just breaks my heart, to be honest. Um, and it's not essential. It's not an essential part of making changes and improving your lifestyle, but also improving your performance. Um, and I can see questions rolling in. So I know you'll always get to this. Uh, many. What about the gym measurements when people step on the electric scales? I am getting to it, Amelia. Fantastic question though. And I am so glad you asked it because no, you are not the first one who's asked this. So when it comes to working through, all right, maybe you have decided that you would like to measure your body composition, which is completely fine. Like if that is something that you value and will absolutely add value to you, then absolutely no problem. Like, and I don't know if I can say absolutely any more times, like obviously my words are not working at all. So when we're looking at, okay, yes, it is valuable um, and I would like to measure, the why of why you need to measure will then decide what instrument you use. And what I mean by that is that not every way of measuring body composition is accurate. So if your goal, right, is to um, 
track changes or see if a certain change to your nutrition or your training is resulting in the changes you want in body composition, then the accuracy isn't as important as the reliability. And what I mean by that is that you're only wanting to see change. If that number that you see isn't correct, it doesn't necessarily matter because you're just wanting to see if it increases or decreases over time. However, if you are wanting a body composition um, assessment to actually know, um, know health data, so if you are wanting to know, for example, if your body fat percentage is too low, which we absolutely do assess, or if you are wanting to know your bone mineral density to understand your osteoporosis or osteopenia risk, um, and if you want to actually set body composition goals um, around accurate numbers, then accuracy is very important, but so is reliability in all of these. So what that means is that you're wanting to find something that is not only reliable, which means you can repeat that measure, but it's also valid, which means it is accurate. So I'll go through now where everything sits so that you guys can make a really clear decision on what numbers you may have seen in the past and if they're actually relevant. Um, and really the big thing that we work with is really understanding why we need those numbers and if we even need to pay attention to those numbers um, and not always do we. Um, so the big reason why I say that is that Increases in muscle mass doesn't necessarily mean increases in our strength or our performance. De decreases in our body fat won't always result in improvements in our performance either or our speed. And when someone comes to me and goes, what's the right body composition? Or I'm a footballer, what should my body composition be? I have no effing idea what the response or the answer to that is. Thank you for the likes and loves, guys. Because there isn't one correct answer here. It isn't a performance assessment. It is actually a way to track and review if it's something that's valuable. The first time you get a DEXA or a bio um, impedance measure or um, skin folds, you're really just getting an initial starting point. You really don't actually know if it's good or bad or anything. And it's really, when you leave, you shouldn't feel like it's good or bad. You should just be like, no, there you go, there's my number. And then it might be something that you review. If you have been made to feel that there's you know, work to do or you've got the red code or the green code or whatever it may be, then the way that those results are interpreted are a little bit misleading. And I will tell you why in a second, because yeah, there's a lot of inaccuracies, but there's a lot of um, things that depend as well. So we need to think about the why because I think so often we look at those numbers wrong. And the amount of people that um, feel that their weight or their body composition then impacts their feelings of self-worth are way too many. And if by one talk, if one live session helps you just challenge that um, conception a little bit, concept, hmm, interesting, um, concept just a little bit, um, then I will be really happy guys because um, that is something that I would love to see us um, change in the way that we chat about and discuss body composition. Um, so when we're looking at the ways, um, oh, I'm paused on Instagram, sorry guys. Um, when we're looking at the ways that we can measure body composition, 
Um, what we're looking at is skin faults um, as one of them. So I'm just going to list a few things that you may have heard before. Now, skin faults are a little bit scary, right? They're like people like me who carry calipers around and they pinch you. Really, really freaking bizarre method, right? And they can be really intimidating. Now, for some, it's fine. Like everyone just is like, yeah, skin fold day, happy days, and be really relaxed. But I've also seen the opposite where you get the sweats, you get really anxious, and it's not a nice time. And so we have moved away from skin folds for some athletes, depending on the culture, depending on how they feel about it, um, and depending on what the best thing for the environment is. Now, skin folds, for those who um, have had them, uh, I won't need to explain too much, but for those who aren't aware, skin folds are actually a really great measure, um, but they do rely on a trained practitioner. Um, so if you've ever had skin folds where they're just grabbing you randomly and pinching, that's not accurate, <laughs> and that's definitely not reliable, um, and they won't be able to repeat it very well. If you've had skin fold measures where they actually measure and mark up with little crosses on where they need to pinch, much better. And that's what we call ISAC accredited. So very, very important when you're getting skin fold measures done. Now, the thing that I think people get frustrated with with skin folds is that it's not going to give you this really accurate measure of body fat percentage. You're not going to walk away going, oh, I'm 11% body fat or anything like that. You're going to walk away with a number. And that number is the seven sites over your body added up in millimeters and so that's the most accurate way of doing it um and so yeah it's very non-intrusive in terms of like you know having to do anything crazy but it is intrusive in the way of making you feel vulnerable depending on who you are and how you feel about your body image so it's really important that we consider that now there is error it's person error. So human error is a big part of skin folds and your personal ISAC accredited anthropometrist will have a better idea of what their error is. They get given that in their Excel spreadsheet, which changes over time. Um, but yeah, there's error. But if you're using the same anthropometrist over and over, it's really quite good at tracking and trending results. So that's a really nice thing to work on. Now, the whole monitoring thing. So it's you know, moderate in accuracy and it's moderate in um, repeatability, but that can also be high depending on if you get a good ISAC accredited anthropometrist as well. Now, the next one is probably something that everyone has heard of and we'll go through DEXA. So DEXA scan, if you've ever had one, they take about 10 to 20 minutes depending. Um, it, it requires laying on a bed still. Um, and they use two x-rays, very low um, grade x-rays. And it's about, it gives you uh, about um, two, it's the same, um, oh, what am I gonna say? I've forgotten now. Anyway, I'll continue on a different tangent so that Alicia's brain can keep up. Um, it's really quite reliable um, and accurate, but only if it's done well. And oh my gosh, I really can't stand poorly done DEXA scans. Um, and there's a lot of them out there. Now, the reason for that is, is that the way they scan relies on lots of assumptions. So if you really um, don't pay attention to these assumptions, uh, you're not going to get a very good result. And when I say you, I mean the practitioner really should have done it better, uh, but you're going to get a result that's actually not that useful at all. Um, and what kind of assumptions do these mean? Well, I had the absolute pleasure of working alongside the person at the AIS that did their um, PhD on this very topic. So it was excellent. I just absorbed all her information and all her findings, which was fantastic. But you do need to make sure that you're following it well. So you're going to need to 
hopefully do it first thing of the morning um, so that you haven't had any food or drink because hydration and food weight obviously change the result. You want to do similar training in the 24 hours previous to your DEXA scan. Um, but you also want to consider um, clothing and positioning. So one thing that tends to be done pretty badly is you, you're meant to have like foam pads between each body part so there's nothing touching. Uh, there's a real positioning way of doing it um, and you do get some errors if that's not done well. Um, so done properly, it's quite good in terms of accuracy and um, reliability and the ability to reproduce it, but yeah, it can be done poorly. Um, if you are someone who's a bit stuck and you need to do DEXA scans, like say during the day, um, not ideal, but if you can even think about, you know, okay, I can still control what my sessions were the day before. Maybe I can control what I ate and drank so it's very similar. Those types of things are things you can try and do just to minimize the um, noise within the measures. Now to the fun one, the BIA. So BIA is something you have probably seen. It is everywhere because it is so portable and so easy to measure with. Um, and the BIA is the ones where you're standing on a scale and you may be holding um, some handles or they may, yeah, there's a couple of different options. And what this involved is, involves, oh my gosh, my words, involves is giving electric current through your body. Um, doesn't, it's not as scary as it sounds. Uh, and it measures the resistance of that current. So muscle is high in water and there's not much resistance, um, but fat is um, high resistance. So it measures the amount of resistance in the body. And from there uses an equation to, I'm gonna say guesstimate, because it is, it's a guesstimate, <laughs> there's a lot of error um, in um, your giving you your body fat, your muscle mass, your water weight, all those types of things. Now, maybe guesstimate's a bit rude. It's probably a little bit harsh. Um, if you're doing it with a really good pr practitioner, if you're doing it with those um, things in mind in terms of first thing in the morning, prior to food, really watching hydration because it's very, very sensitive to your hydration status. Um, if you are doing it with the right positioning, all these types of things, then it can be reproducible. And remember what I said at the start, if you are just after tracking change, then if everything is taken care of and you're doing it really high quality with a good practitioner, then you may be able to see and track your changes. However, around 5% error, possibly more, uh, particularly when it comes to body fat. It's not as great at body, um, measuring body fat. So if say you measure on a BIA at 10%, you could be 5% body fat, or you could be 15%, or you could be anywhere in the middle of that. So yeah, it's a really big range. So definitely consider how you're measuring, if it's even worth measuring. And obviously it's used a lot, so it's no getting around that. And I tend to work with it rather than against it, and just really make sure that I'm letting everyone know who's had one done, that there isn't an ability to set your self-worth or your value based on these numbers there is error, it's a very big variability, but if it's done well, it might be able to tra track your changes, but it doesn't mean that it's accurate. So yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Now, all these things are well and good, um, but yeah, now I'll just open it up to all these questions because I do have some already coming through, um, but feel free to, you know, I think just really be curious. Um, hopefully I can answer them. If I can't, then 
no surprises here. I definitely don't know everything. Um, and so, yeah, we can have that chat around all things body composition, what it all means, um, and if there's things that you would like to um, know more about. So um, when we're looking at um, questions, one of the questions actually was related to BIA. So I think I um, did it. It was how accurate are the scanners with the handles? So I'm assuming it's the BIA one. So accurate, no, um, not to a great extent but reliable possibly depending on how they're done. So, um, you know, even things like using the same machine sometimes isn't done um, in different challenges and stuff. So yeah, all those things are really, really important to consider. Um, questions coming through. Uh, just scrolling to make sure I didn't miss any. Thanks, Legends. Um, so the next question is, how do I increase tone? So this is an interesting one, right? Because um, tone is really badly defined. So tone, most people mean that they would like to increase muscle mass and decrease body fat to um, allow for more tone to be visible in terms of muscle tone. So when we're looking at how to, it is a body composition goal. It's not necessarily a weight change goal. It's definitely a body composition goal where we might be aiming to lose body fat and increase muscle mass or even just lose body fat if you've already got a muscle mass that you're happy with and working on and active so um i don't love the word tone um it's very genetic very um individual on what that actually means and if it's even attainable um but focusing first on why you would like more tone i know i'm really an, i'm an annoying person but that is why <laughs> the reason i ask that is because the reason why you might want higher tone in a body that has more tone could be completely different um, to someone else and so how I respond to that is going to change but if you're wanting more tone more for um, aesthetics and confidence or whatever it may be um, then it will include um, hopefully some strength-based exercise to help your muscle mass stay on and maintain um, while you are in a slight energy deficit to achieve some body fat loss. So that will be um, the main thing there. Um, female body weight changes so much across cycle. Do you monitor between phases? The best way, if you are someone who needs to monitor female athletes or is a female athlete that is being monitored, um, is to do monthly, like actually sync assessments to the cycle if possible. That is one thing I didn't go through is how frequently should you actually um, look at body comp and be measured by body comp because, oh, I do see it done too frequently. Because of the error, like even um, DEXA scans have two to 3% error, um, you know, that that's quite significant. So when you're looking at um, a an assessment of say 70, a 70 kilo person, that is going to actually be really um, quite a lot when you're looking at their body fat percentage and seeing that change by you know maybe a kilo either way or more so um, if you measure too often you risk kind of misinterpreting change and even if there's not change then you can be feel disheartened um, so anywhere around six weeks at the very earliest but ideally two to three months gives enough time to see adaptations and change play a part and also gives an opportunity for any interventions that you're doing or any changes that you've done to actually have a chance to um, actually change body composition at the level that there's still error. So yeah, you're wanting enough change to actually override the error, if you like. Um, accuracy of fitness trackers, Fitbit, Apple Watch, etc., for high intensity exercise. Ah, 
one, <laughs> suppose it's not CrossFit related. Oh, mate, I work with all sports. Um, CrossFit's a pretty newer sport for me to be working with, which is fun. Um, but also um, I allocate to dietitians that are better at it than me. But when it comes to um, tracking by watches, it is quite inaccurate um, and not something to focus on too much. So it can be nice to track if you're someone who enjoys that, but if you are counting back calories to eat back what you've burnt, please stop doing that because it's a really inaccurate measure um, and it is definitely not how we should see food anyway um, and absolutely don't take those numbers to um, heart because it's yeah it, there's a lot of variability so yeah it can be reliable in the way that it can show you change over time for you personally but in terms of accuracy no um definitely not hopefully they'll get better over time but yeah there's um even in like say the heart rate and stuff there's really big variability um compared to someone who say might be wearing a heart rate monitor compared to the, the watches so yeah all good things to look at awesome I think I have spoken enough, but um, hopefully you have found that interesting at the very least. Hopefully you haven't fallen asleep considering the time, but those in Queensland get to um, experience a um, earlier Q&A, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, it's been a fabulous week here in um, Compete. We have done lots of new things. We are raising capital at the moment, which is super, I'm not going to say fun. It's Horrible. It's stressful. It's bloody stressful. Um, you spend all your days pitching um, and getting all these questions um, thrown at you where you do the self-doubt thing. Um, but really, really fun in terms of considering what our future is and what we can do once we get that capital on board with our investors on board. Um, which is, yeah, it's a different phase, lots of new talk. Um, but then also we've just been doing some really cool stuff with um, some teams, hopefully some announcements coming soon, which is really fun. Um, lots of stuff happening obviously with our Matildas because they're all in Europe and Europe's gone a little bit crazy. So yeah, it's been a busy week, but a really, really um, fun one and all the things that we've been doing. I got to do um, some videos today on all things mood and food um, for Alliance. So that's really cool. Um, and one of our speakers at the CompeteCon, um, Matt Johnstone, he asked me to contribute um, based around all the things he was doing on their mental health as well. So yeah, lots of, lots of fun things. And it was nice to get in front of the camera again. And those who caught our um, Instagram story with little Floss, oh my god, she's so fucking cute. She was so concerned over her crazy um, swim hand. She was like just doing these ones the whole time. But yeah, we had swim lessons at Savo and it is nice to be back in the pool. So Melbourneers, I hear that you are starting to get back in the pool as well, which is lovely. Um, really excited to hopefully see you guys out of lockdown completely soon, um, particularly for summer. But we've been watching closely and thinking of you all. So yeah, enjoy the last few days of the tour if you are watching um, the Duro. I just saw that there was... Oh, crap. I won't say it because, you know, I might ruin it for you. But anyway, Duro. Done. If you enjoy the last few days. Um, and yeah, awesome. I'll stop babbling. Thanks so much, team. Have a good night. Have a good weekend if I don't chat to you before. Um, but I'm sure you will see my face around again. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.